2: Everywhere we go, people want to know who we are and where we come from. So who are you and where did you come from?
1: I'm Lauren McCormick and I come from Kilmore.
2: Lauren, just let everyone know that we're on TikTok live right now. Yeah. Um, and I probably should tell people that we're on it, but you know what? We'll just leave it that we're there. just see what happens. Yeah, yeah, and hello to everyone that who's watching on TikTok. So we've had a chat mm-hmm. and there's a very specific reason why I asked you to come on the pod. But before we do that, just tell me a little bit about growing up
1: Kilmore. Mm-hmm. Literally on yeah. the road
2: for me what yeah. was that like for you
1: yeah I had a great childhood very different to what I think childhoods are now I just always remember I've been out with friends on the road not on kind of phones and stuff and just it was great is a real small community so I think like everybody knows everyone and it's just it's just I had a great childhood growing up so yeah.
2: it's mad because I said the same to Damien but we taught even with the flats yeah we taught Kilmore was posh yeah <laughs> Yeah. We did, yeah. like we taught, like you know, because uh, we used to, Natalie, uh, my friend, yeah, she we she used to go over to Bison's house, yeah. oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, man's yeah, yeah, house. I think it was a Shane or one of Michael Graham, yeah,
1: Rain, yeah like. it was Michael <laughs>
2: Graham, and so we'd go, over, but it was miles away, yeah, yeah, it was miles away from Mauphew, yeah, but it was also really posh, yeah,
1: yeah, because you just have Larkin just at the top, it's yeah. like next door neighbours to Larkin so we'll claim it.
2: So you must have taught Larkin was real posh then, yeah, but just-
1: that's what I still think. Now, Larkin is still real posh, <laughs> Did you
2: go to school uh school leader primary school oh, yeah. and then i went to mercy ball to secondary school yeah. and someone else that's here yeah they went on it went to mercy ball Who is who oh um oh god jesus but forget her name. it's not <laughs> terrible oh my god she just wanted me get amy
1: oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah yeah
2: amy went to yeah and i was saying it's a dash school now yeah which is great is it? yeah it's oh, a dash no school. Way. i didn't know yeah. and again mercy Ballmount, as yeah. i said before sorry to repeat myself was a real posh school. Like yeah. I went to tech.
1: Yeah, That's no, Easy Bowman was like yeah. posh.
2: <laughs> How was school for you?
1: Yeah, school was great. Mm-hmm. Like I, I was only used texting a friend the other day, and she was like, oh, "I'd love to go back to school, secondary mm-hmm. school. It was just, it was like a pure laugh, just the whole way. It was just, it was grand.
2: You miss it, like, don't you like, do, yeah. When you love, like, like right now, like just to go back to those oh, days 100%. and walk them corridors yeah. and meet those teachers. Yeah. And I've I've met a teacher, actually, yeah. and, um, w- like, we were mad, mad in school. People, like that's how yeah. <laughs> we were kind of
1: like that as well. Yeah. Uh, we were a bit mad in our class. But, like, when you were in school, you were like, oh, I can't wait for it to end. Yeah. And stuff. But then when you think back, you're like, I'd love to go back. No worries. Just seeing your friends Monday to Friday, just, like... Having a laugh and stuff with him, you'd love to just go back.
2: Mm. What did you do after school?
1: Um, I went to college in Dunleary. It was senior college, Dunleary, and then they changed it to Black Rock. Mm. So I studied um, theatrical and media makeup wow Yeah, and then I went to that college. Did you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Did beauty.
2: Is the s- senior s- college? Is it just the lane? Is it that Yeah, Down that little lane? Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: So when I was there, that was the last year it was done right. And then they changed to Black Rock for their education, I think. So my sisters went there, um, my older sister Leslie studied business and my other sister Donna studied um doing a beautician course there. So I just kinda it was like it's just kinda natural for me to go there and mm. I absolutely loved it. It was brilliant. Um, I really enjoyed college and then I had a lay just after I graduated from college so it was kind of skill college and then been a man.
2: <laughs> so what was it like when you found out you were pregnant?
1: Do you know what I was just at a go on 18 and it was a scary kind of time because I was so young and I just remember being so frightened but I was like I don't know why I even was frightened because the second I found out and I went for my scans and stuff I was immediately just like oh my god this is so exciting like I'm growing a human I just I just was so excited and like my family and I was so supportive I think I was afraid of oh my god what my mum think money college and stuff but my mom was like this is a blessing like this is amazing like she was so excited so I think after seeing her reaction I was like oh I just can't wait to be a mum and just yeah so did you do just, the
2: pregnancy test on your own like or oh my god you, yeah did you? I did
1: I did it with what was my, that like tell me about that I did that. it with my sister <laughs> So I did it with my sister and I came home and I was like there's no I think I was in a bit of denial I was like there's no way I'm pregnant like no it's just you know the way sometimes people do like oh I think I'm pregnant and mm. then they do a pregnancy test and nothing but I remember doing it I drank a pint of water I I chugged it and I did it and it came up immediately you know the way you have to wait for it mm. like before I even sat it down it just came up immediately and I was like no 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 that, that's wrong so I was like, I'm going to chug another glass of water because I bought two of them and it came up straight away and I was like, oh my God. And my sister was like, oh my God, Lauren. And I was like, what am I going to do? And my initial thought was, I'm only out of college, I don't have a job and I'm bringing a baby into the world. What am I going to do? And I just, I'll never forget my sister said to me, Lauren, like sometimes people will say, oh, I don't, like I, I'm too young to have this baby. Or it's not the right time. I'm not like financially stable, whatever. And she's like, it's the best thing that ever happened to them. And that always just stuck with me because I always used I always used to think back and be like she was right I was so scared and I was so young but when I look back and when Elia was grown and stuff I was like she was so right it was the best thing that ever happened to me even though I was young it didn't make a difference like do you know what I mean so
2: and then tell me what your pregnancy was like and her birth yeah. what was that like
1: Um, pregnancy for the first i think four months i was very sick like sick every morning i was literally <laughs> i was so skinny and i was just all bump and then when i got to i think like me six month i was uh, i was grand and i had a great pregnancy i loved being pregnant i really <laughs> enjoyed it i had like no kind of complications or anything and um, she didn't budge i had to be induced so that she was like two weeks overdue they were like she's just too pumpy, she doesn't want to come out so um, I just remember going into the hospital on the Wednesday, and she didn't come until Friday night, um, and I, I there was a bit of a complication. She wasn't um, she wasn't hurrying up the pregnancy; was taking a long time. And I remember them saying to me, "If you don't." progress to 10 centimetres in an hour we're gonna to have to do a c-section and I was like oh my god no I was just so I just wanted an easy breathing and kind of I was like mm-hmm. oh no so I was like how am I gonna to progress to the 10 centimetres in an hour and I remember the nurse saying like let's get you in again because I don't think this is gonna happen and um, the theatre is ready like it will get you ready to wheel you down and stuff And I remember just we were all just saying prayers, lighting candles. I was like, please, just let her come. (laughs) Just let her hurry up. I think the epidural was wearing off me at this stage. And the nurse checked me. And she was like, you're ready, push. And I was like, what? I I was like, what's going on? So she was out in a couple of minutes. And it was... It was fine, it was grand. So. You
2: still had the epidural, do
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't know if it was wore off at this stage. I remember getting the epidural and I was just like, oh, I fell asleep and so I was just <laughs> so relaxed then. Because I was in labour for a good while and it was just, it was traumatic, horrific. as you know, yeah. yeah, horrific. <laughs> yeah.
2: And then tell me then, what kind of baby was she and so on?
1: Yeah, she was just, she was such a good baby. Like, she was so happy she was always laughing she was just so good I remember at the start she was colic so she was always up crying and then when she kind of settled down she was grand and she was just she brought so much happiness into our lives. Like, she was such a joy. Everyone was so happy with, like, this new little baby in the house. And she just, it, like, the bond was just instant with us. I was like, she is the love of me. life. she is the best thing to ever happen to me. Like, I just remember, like, me being so young and, like, my friends. And I've been like, oh, my God, you have a baby. And I was like, I knew this is what I was, like, born to do. I knew this was, like, just meant for me. I was Everything just felt so right. And I just, it was just amazing
2: and was she the first grandchild
1: uh, no she wasn't so she was the third grandchild and
2: you did you bring her home to like so you're in your mom and dad's yeah yeah
1: yeah she was the third grandchild so I had me niece and nephew and then Aaliyah came along and then me other niece Sasha came along nine months after so Sasha and Aaliyah were they were kind of like sisters because it was only nine months between them and them too like we always so close so but it was just lovely to have like another baby everyone was just so happy Where like it was just she brought so much happiness into all our lives and she was always just so good. Like she was never like, <laughs> never like crying all the time. Do you know what I mean? She was always just like a great baby to have around.
2: And was you, were you all in, in your mum's?
1: I was. Uh, I, it was me and my sister at the time. Yeah, just mm. for a, a little while, and then I stayed on in my mum's um, for a couple of years. Yeah.
2: And then what was it like going on with her? Did she go to school? All yeah. Mm. So
1: she went to um, she went to the play school, the little Montessori um, in Larkin up the road, and I just remember her been so intelligent like she was just she was really like smart beyond her years like it, you didn't have to explain things a lot to Ali you kind of just told her once and she took it in Um, so she went to the Montessori up the road and then she went to Saint John the Gods in our town. and I always just everyone just was I was like she's so intelligent she's just so so smart and I was like Where, where'd she get that from <laughs> <laughs> she was just so smart so yeah she was She's done brilliant in school. Like she I just always remember the teachers and stuff saying, like, she's so kind, she like she's brilliant, she does all her homework and everything and like never has to be corrected. Like everything's just she's just this great, like
2: And then talk to me then where did things happen or change for your life so
1: it was just after the lockdown so it was 2021 and i just remember everything was kind of coming back around so i was going back to work alia's school had only opened and um she was uh, she was never sick like she was the most healthiest child ever we were only ever in like the hospital a couple of times you know for like oh she would a fever or like she would a cold and stuff so she was never sick she was always so healthy and I just remember going back to school and she was so happy because she hated being like homeschooled in mm-hmm. the lockdown so she was so excited and I was like oh like life is finally coming back to normal like we were all just like cooped up and everything so I just remember I started noticing um, and this this is not actually like a normal symptom of like having like a brown tumor and and it was our tickles that was our first symptom so I remember like we'd have like a tickle fight or something like me and Carl would be tickling that and I just remember one day she was like uh I have no tickles anymore and I was like you're playing games with me like of course you do so I remember tickling her and she's like look I can keep a straight face so it became like it became kind of a joke oh you can tickle Aaliyah and she like can keep a straight face she like doesn't laugh around and I was like, "That's really like kind of strange," but like, I didn't think anything of it. It was That's just, mad. just tickled. So then I noticed her eye, um, her right eye wouldn't fully close sometimes. Now when she was really tired, I remember at nighttime when I would be tucking her in, she'd blink, and this one was kind of slow. And I was like, Do "You know, what? I think she's getting like a lazy eye, mm. or she's got to need glasses or something." So I remember I was like, oh, "It's kind of like not a persistent thing. It's kind of only sometimes." So I didn't think much of it either. And then I just remember it was the summertime, it was July and her eye was, it was really noticeable at this stage. I was like, I'm going to have to make an appointment with um, Specsaver. I was like, she probably just needs glasses and stuff. So then her eye wouldn't close at all and it was becoming really red and bloodshot. And that was because it wasn't closed and there was like, you know, the way your eyes stay like wet to kind of keep dirt out and stuff. So I was like, what's going on? I need to book that appointment um didn't think like much of it she wasn't complaining or anything mm. of her it was just me noticing so I just remember her walking started going this was only a couple of days before I diagnosed this wasn't like weeks or months this was yeah. literally all in the week so I remember her walking was starting to go really slow and I was like what like did, none of this is making sense to me like what is kind of going on and then the vomiting started but it wasn't like persistent vomiting all day it was kind of like she'd eat her breakfast and she'd get sick. And then I'd be like, what, oh my God, does she have a tummy bug? What's going on? And then she'd be fine and she'd be back eating during the day and stuff. So, so I was, it was Carl like,
2: noticing it and was yeah, your mum and dad noticing? Every, it? Yeah,
1: I was saying it to Carol and I was like, I, was, I remember texting my sister's and my mum and our group chat and I was like I think Aaliyah has a tummy bug or something like she just getting sick it wasn't like all the symptoms were pieced together like the eye the walking and then the vomiting it, they weren't kind of connecting mm-hmm. if you know what I mean so they were like I'll just keep an eye on her like and I was like but she's not constantly vomiting like mm-hmm. you would with a tummy bug so I remember me and my sister this was two days before she was diagnosed we brought her to the beach it was the hottest week ever like we we're like we're both not on work let's bring the kids mm-hmm. to the beach And I remember walking down the beach, and she was so slow. And I was just looking at her, and I was like, Leslie, what's up with it? Like, there's so much for her. She's just really tired this week. She's like, I know, I don't know what it is. And I just remember her at the beach, like, she didn't want to play in the water or anything. She just wanted to kind of sit with me on the sand. And I was like, just chill out. You seem a bit tired. Like, let's just, like, chill together and stuff. So I remember then it was the Saturday, and she'd been vomiting all morning. And I said we need to bring her to the doctor, something's like not right, let's just bring her to the doctor, see what it is, like I never thought it was going to be what it was, so we brought her to the D-Doc on the Saturday and I told the doctor like everything, I said listen, like there's some weird symptoms, I said, other than the vomiting and her eyes been really bloodshot, I said like her walking is a bit off balance as well and she's very like kind of tired and the doctor looked at her and she told me she had conjunctivitis and that the vomiting was down to the heat whiff, So she said, don't worry about it, she should be fine, there's a prescription for an antibiotic gel, Um, just keep an eye on her. And I remember leaving and I was like, hmm, feel a bit weird, like I knew there wasn't quite something right. I was like, okay, well she's the doctor, she knows, let's just see how she is. So I went into work late that day and carl was off walking i was like should i not go in like maybe i should say and he's like no like i'm chilling where like you go into walk, she would be fine like does that and i'll ring you so all day i just had this weird like feeling in my stomach i was like is she okay i was constantly texting carl he's like we're at to having a water fight out the back she's grand mm. and then like a couple of hours went by and obviously i was walking i wasn't looking at my phone and he texted me and he said we need to get home to temple street and he sent me a video of her and I just remember I was like, what? He sent me this video of it. He's like, she wanted to watch a movie. So they were chilling on the sofa and she just was like kind of swaying and she was like watching the telly, but she just did not look well at all. She was like white. And I just got this gut feeling. I was like, something is seriously wrong. And he said, let's get out to Temple Street. So we met and we went to Temple Street and you know yourself temple street is always packed mm. like it's always busy it's like we're gonna be here on like i don't even care i just want that sword. so i walked into temple street there was only one man there with our son and it was just me and her and i was like what is going on like mm. so the nurse came out i literally only sat down on the chair and she called the lay and i was kind of like what's going on i was i was laughing saying to her like god there's no one here like and she's like oh nobody's sick on a hot day so i was like thank god we're getting through so she's like what's going on i explained to her and I said now we were at the doctor this morning but I said I, she's had to get a from then I said she's very lethargic she's constantly vomiting um, and she's just not herself she's not usually like this she's usually healthy and and pricked up and usually really bubbly and stuff and the nurse literally just looked at her and said can you stand up for me Alea? and Lea stood up and she fell on the ground and I was like do you see what I mean and I was kind of happy that that happened yeah. because I was like instead of me fighting telling her all these symptoms she's had saying scene around her own eyes Lea couldn't stand up so she literally just felt her um, heart rate on her wrist and she was looking at her pocket watch and she was looking at her for a long time and I was like, what is going on? And she just looked at me and I knew the look she gave me something wasn't right and I said to her, is everything okay? She goes, just give me a second. So she timed our pulse again and she was looking at the big clock and she just looked at me and goes, we need to get her through straight away. Like usually they send you back in and yeah, you have yeah. to wait and stuff. Mm. So we were literally just rushed through and because of COVID, Carl wasn't allowed to come in with me. Okay. So it was me on my own with Lee. He had to wait out in the car. So I'm trying to update him. I'm like, I'm not sure what's going on. We're about to get him put through straight away. So I just remember they lied on the bed and had all these heart monitors on her and I'd, I never heard of these before. I didn't know what they were. They're the ECG monitors and my sister woke some bomb 'em. So I met I sent her a picture of Leah and I said, What is going on? Nobody's telling me anything. She was like, Lauren, that's for your heart and I was like, What? So she said to me, Listen, Leah's heart rate is very low. We're just gonna monitor it on the heart rate and we need to do bloods and like a urine sample so I'm like okay no problem at all Leah never had a blood sample in her life so Mm. she was so upset and then the bloods came back absolutely fine nothing came up in the bloods nothing came up in the urine so they were kind like we don't know what's going on so sitting there for a while and the doctor came around to me and um he was like so yeah telling me like last week she was healthy and then just these last three four days just these kind of symptoms have gotten worse and I said yeah he said, I don't really know what it is. He said, like, I might just send you home. It could be just, like, a viral tummy bug. And I was like, no, no. I was like, I'm not going anywhere. I said, I am I need to stay here. I said, I don't mind if I'm here all night. I don't mind sleeping on a chair. I was like, if I go home, I'm going to be worried about or there's something not right. I was like, look, her she's so lethargic. This is not her. And he was like, right, okay. Just bear with me for a few minutes. So comes back and he's like you said she's off balance and I said yeah he said okay let me check her ears sometimes with earaches kids get off balance mm. so I'm there oh maybe it's just something like that maybe it's just an earache checks her ears No, everything's fine so he asked her to walk in a straight line she couldn't do it she he said can you put one foot in front of the other and she couldn't do it she fell over and I was like to him doctor like can you see that like it's there's something really wrong and he said yeah that's like not right so then he says to me um is there a chance she could have a concussion has she banged her head in the last few days or anything i do it last week and i was like oh my god i'm after been in an hour work like she was up in her nannies what if she was out the back and fell off the swing and like what if it was something so simple Mm -hmm. and we didn't know so i'm panicking and i was like i don't know like i really don't know so it's like right i just want to do one thing just to rule out something and i said okay and he said i'm going to do a ct scan so i was like right okay and he said, um it got you're gonna be here all night. So at this stage it was about ten o'clock. He said, You're gonna be here all night. So, um, if you want like have you got a partner with you? Around? And I said, Yeah. He said, If you want cigars, some pajamas around like a little blanket teddies and stuff and I said, Right, okay. So Carl flew home, grabbed a load of stuff. I literally hadn't eaten at all that day, so I was like, Grab me a McDonald or just so yeah, so yeah, I can yeah. eat it. Like I'm I don't won't be able to function if I don't mm. have that an. and he came back, brought all the stuff in and I was like he said we're going to be here all night so I brought Aaliyah down for her CT scan and it was so quick she was literally just in and out and we went back and I said um, we're going to have to have a sleep over here in the hospital and she was like oh mummy I really want to just go home and I was like listen I'm taking the day off tomorrow we'll go Smith's wherever you want to go or bring your Tato Park whatever you want to do we'll do how old is she living? So Aaliyah was six when she was diagnosed. So what? all she wanted to do was go home. She's like, "Why am I in this stupid hospital? I don't want to be here. I just want to go home and stuff." And I said, "Listen, we, we just want to make sure you're yeah, fine. We just need to figure out what's wrong with you, and then we'll get home." It's me still not realizing what's happening. So um, have all our pajamas, everything, blanket, and I'm like, Carly, you may as well go home." no point, are sitting out in the car all night, and he's like, "No, I really don't want to." I'm worried, and I said, "No, no, just we're going to be here all night. Probably won't have results till nine o'clock next morning." That's what he told me. So when Carl was just about to go, the doctor came round and said, "I was just seen all these nurses kind of behind the curtain." And he said, "Did you tell your partner to go home?" And I said, "Yeah." I said, "You told us we'd be here." And I said, um, "Can you tell him to come in?" And I was like, "What?" And he goes, "We just want your partner here with you while we're telling you what our finance. So I am thinking the worst. I'm just like, I know what's going on so oh. I ring Carl and I'm like don't go home yet, you need to come in Something, I know something's wrong Carl, you need to come in they're going to tell us, so there's like a little door between like the where we were and the patients and you have to kind of buzz through so I'm waiting there and I felt like it empty. I was just standing there and everything's racing through my mind, so I buzz Carl in and I'm like Carl, something's wrong something's really wrong and I must have been talking like 90 miles an hour because he just grabbed me and he was like Lauren, we don't know what it is yet, so don't overthink it and don't like panic let's just see what the doctor say so I'm like, right, okay. I'm trying to gather myself. And I just remember looking at Leah in the bed and it just clicked in my mind what it was. And I remember I was like, oh my God, I know what they're about to say. So this this lovely nurse was like, I'm going to, Aaliyah was asleep at the time. She said, I'm going to stay with Aaliyah while you talk to the doctors. And I said, okay. So the doctor sat us down and I just felt so sick. That anxiety in my stomach, everything. And he's like, okay, um, I don't have great news. And I said, okay. And he said, we're out to find an, a shadow. And I'm like, like, what's the shadow? I couldn't even look at him. I was like, i will you please ask him what he's talking about? Just just explain it. Like, So, Carl, I looked at Carl and Carl was in floods of tears. So, it clicked in my head. He knows something that I don't. So, he said to the doctor, "And what eating think the shadow is? And he said, I'm sorry, but we believe it or it has a brain tumour. And I just grabbed my phone and I just ran. I just ran out the hospital through the corridor, through, like, everyone's, like, outside on phones and stuff. And I just ran out and I was just like, what is going on? I was I couldn't even put two and two together. It was like my daughter has a brain tumour. like no, you you must have missed up our, mixed up our chart. Maybe they have it wrong, maybe it's a mistake and I just remember freaking out. I rang my mum and I told her um just hearing my mum's reaction made it more real for me. I couldn't really puzzle I was like, I need to say it out loud because I can't I can't just leave it in my head. So when I said it out loud I was like, Oh my god So I just remember I was like I need to go back in so I just wiped. What did you your mum say? I just remember saying, not nah, this is not fair. And me mum and dad just crying. And I just was like, I need to go. I, I couldn't even chat. I just remember, I, I was just crying with floods of tears, like coughing, just crying. Everyone just around me looking and I didn't even care. I was like, they don't know my daughter's just been diagnosed with a brain tumour. Like, no one knows what's going on. So I just remember, I was like, I need to go back into her. I need to be strong for her. She must be so scared. She doesn't know what's going on. So... I just wiped my tears and I ran back in and I just had a smile on my face I just had to pretend like Aaliyah was awake when I went back in and Carol was beside her and all the nurses and I was like hey babe I was like I'm back you okay and she's like yeah mommy I'm just really tired and I was like don't worry we're going upstairs to bed now and I just had to pretend like everything was okay because if she had got a glimpse of me I knew she would have been afraid so we were brought up to St Gabriel's ward and it was so dark at this stage. Everyone in the world was asleep. And I was like, what is going on? Like, it, how was I? Awoke a couple of hours ago? And now we don't have a side with a brain tumour. And at this stage, Aaliyah, they were checking our vitals every 15 minutes. Like, the nurses were coming in, checking our heart rate, checking our oxygen levels. Just checking everything because it, the symptoms that she was having, it was so it was causing so much pressure in our brain and it, like, it was so dangerous. She could have she died in within them hours if the brain tumour had pressed on all our vital nerves. So I just was sitting there and I was like, what is going on? I don't know how I'm going to get through this. And the next morning they were like, we need to run loads of tests. We need to do MRIs. We need to do hearing tests. We needed to bring her to the eye doctor and do eye tests, everything. And I was like, right, okay. So... I brought her down to the MRI and the doctor said, usually we sedate children this young, but you think she'd be able to stay still for it. Because if you've ever seen an MRI, you have to stay completely still. It's this big, huge machine and it's so loud. So I'd never been in like one before. And I said can we just see how she is i don't really want to sedate her like can we just see i said if i'm where she'd be fine so they said we can stick a movie on for her so she was able to watch a little movie through the mri machine and she stayed still for 45 minutes no i remember i just i must have rubbed the skin off her leg i just kept rubbing her leg and i remember just sitting there and oh my god my anxiety was just through the roof like everything was just going through my head i'm trying to keep her calm. It gave me these noise cancelling headphones. Mm. It was so loud, but it was still—I could still hear it through the noise cancelling headphones. It was just—it was so scary because I was like, "She hasn't a clue what's going on," but I know everything that's happened. So,
2: how did you explain to her that she was because an MRI? Yeah, it's so scary so as an scary. adult. Yeah, it's so scary. It's and it's the noise. It's Denialized. all of that, and it's the claustrophobic. It's claustrophobic yeah. yeah. So, how did you explain it to her that she was doing that?
1: So thankfully i had a a doctor with me because i was like what will i tell her and they said um they just sat down suddenly we need to put you in this kind of little tunnel and you can watch a movie they kind of like kept emphasizing on the movie because they were like you'll have earphones in you can pick all these movies out and we have a little screen and you can watch it and she was like okay and they said we just need to take pictures of your brain and she was like Oh right! she didn't have a clue what it was, but she was like, "Okay, whatever. Let's just do it. Let's get it over with." So she was grand. I couldn't believe they were like, "We've never seen a child at six years of age staying still for forty-five minutes." And she was like, uh, "She was just lying there," and she's like, "I have to pee," and they were like, "Okay, we'll get you <laughs> out now. We're done." So um we had to wait a couple of days for them results, and it was just when we were in the hospital, we were just trying to make it as fun as we could, like. She, she wouldn't have known Anne was wrong because of just what we were like with her. Do you know what I mean? We are trying to just make everything as positive as we could, even though everything was going on. Like, they had play therapists doing things with her and stuff, so she was kind of like, why am I still here? What's going on? But we couldn't tell her, Anne, because we didn't know yet, so...
2: Was it just you and Carl, or did they allow anyone else to come in?
1: They allowed Carl in... They, see, they were very strict with COVID. Everyone else on the ward that was with me, everyone else's child had brain tumours, they were only allowed one parent but because uh, they knew how seriously his case was i didn't at the time they were like we'll let him in during the day but at night time uh, only mammy's allowed saying i was like that's grand i just needed his support during the day and i remember there was a little boy ac- uh, directly across from us and like we were chatting to the other parents and stuff they were asking like how's your daughter and stuff and they were like, we're from down the country, our son has a brain tumour, and I was like, so does mine. And she was like, we're absolutely frightened. But he looked so well, he didn't look like Aaliyah, like Aaliyah was vomiting and stuff, and she was just really frail and sickly. And like, they'd get up, and they'd go into town, and they'd come back at night time and stuff, and they'd be out all day. And I remember they got their results, they were there before us, and the doctor said, we made a mistake. Um, Your son doesn't have a brain tumour, he has a birthmark on his brain. And I just was like, oh, my God, maybe that's what's wrong with Aaliyah. And I remember the parents being like, we're going to sue. Uh, you put us through extreme stress, everything. And I just remember thinking in my head, oh, my God, if they say that to us, I'll just I'll just thank them and I'll go home and I'll be so grateful. And they were going ballistic. And I was like, I wish that that's Aaliyah. I hope that's what they say to us. So I kept thinking in my head, they must have a mistake. Like, maybe it's something else. Maybe it's not what it is. So... They um, they had the results for the MRI then a couple of days later and they called um, us down to this, like, meeting room and they had our MRI up on the screen and I could see the tumour straight away. I didn't need, like, the, the brain in an MRI is so complex, but I could see the tumour straight away. And he said, OK, um, we're at finding a brain tumour in the pons, So it's in the brain stem, which is the most, like crucial part of the brain that's where your heart rate is your breathing all your most important vitals are in the brain so so he said there's two things he said a it could be benign and she could live with this like it's just a low grade it's not cancerous he said and this is what i'm hoping because her symptom history was so short it wasn't months and it wasn't weeks it was literally the week so he said i've uh, like we're hopeful that i'll be that and i said and what's What's B? What's the plan B? And he said, that's if it's malignant, if it's cancerous and it's um, highly aggressive. But he said, we won't talk about that because we're going to focus on plan A. So I'm there. OK, these are all the professions say no. So he said, what we're going to have to do on Friday is a biopsy. And I was like, OK. And we said, have you done many of this? And he said, biopsies thousands this once or twice and i was like what and he said this is an extremely rare brain tumor he said we only see this in ireland in two or three children a year he said we don't know much about it we don't know what causes it there's no cure um and if it's inoperable because usually with brain tumors if it's like glioblastoma or if it's in a different part of the brain you can take it out and stuff and get chemotherapy and radiation some people can live a long life after that but he said with this it's deadly it's known as the worst cancer in existence. Where is it, like is it blighted? So where it is if you think of your spine, right yeah. on top of the spinal cord, right at the base of the skull, it's in the middle. So there's no way to get at it. Um, if you did get at the brain stem, you'd completely damage it, and you'd be brain dead. So that's why they can't go near it. And um, he said this biopsy is extremely risky, but it's essential. So I was like, well, I don't really feel like I have a choice. Like, what? Well, I don't feel like I can say no so he said listen she's in the best hands um like I'm really experienced and stuff and we have an amazing team of doctors um let's try and keep positive so I just was like what what's going on I couldn't even we were just in fight or flight mode like we were just trying to get through the day just trying to survive trying to be positive fairly I didn't even know what was kind of going on so the biopsy day came and I remember I had to sign this form and they were kind of like, the doctor kind of just wanted me to sign it. And I was like, can I just re- read it? Like, and he's like, okay, well, you need to hurry. And I was like, right, okay. So I read it and I was like, oh my God, what am I putting her through? It was like all the complications that can happen. Um, it was like death was the number one. It was like we we're doing the biopsy, she could die on the table. Um, the chances of a seizure and a brain bleed are extremely high. And I was like, that, that they were like, it sounds like something that's a possibility. So we need to just prepare you. We'll have to do a full craniotomy, like completely open up our head if this happens. We need to get to the bleed and stuff. And I was like, right, okay. So I we were just praying, like nonstop. I don't know how many candles were lit, how many prayers were said. And I remember that day the nurse said, the thing that we advise is for you to not stay in the hospital, like, don't sit around and it just makes it worse. So she said, why don't you go home? Like have a shower, get a change of clothes and stuff and then come back in, she'd be about four or five hours so I said okay and I remember we drove, out. I hadn't been out of the hospital in a week and I remember leaving the hospital thinking like life feels so weird and we drove home and a white butterfly followed us, I'm not joking like in front of the car the whole way home and I was like usually you don't see butterflies in the middle of town like up where Temple Street mm. is and I just felt so hopeful I, when I seen the butterfly I was like I have a good feeling everything's going to be fine with this biopsy so we headed back in, and they were like, she's finished. Can, you ta- can I ask yeah, you? Because
2: yeah, When you get home, mm-hmm. who's there? What, what? Do you want to talk to them? Do you not want to talk to them? Yeah. What's going through your mind?
1: So, like, my whole family was just uh, trying to be supportive, but I couldn't make sense of what was going on in my mind, so I couldn't even think of saying it out loud. So you know I mean, I'm just... I'm like, I have to just get through this fairly. Early. I don't know what's going on, but... I just couldn't even puzzle it together. It was just such a confusing situation. And everyone's just like, let's just pray, let's be hopeful, let's not think ahead and let's try and take it like minute by minute and stuff. So,
2: did they know how serious it was?
1: No, none of us did. None of us knew how serious it was. Even when the doctors were explaining it, like you always hear of like cancer and they're like, there's nothing we can do. And then people living for years and stuff. So, I remember my mum just been like, Lauren. Like, people live with tumours for years. Like, let's not take what the doctors are saying for gospel. Some people get radiation chemo and they can live for a long time. But I didn't know how serious this was until... I found a group on Facebook because I was like do you know what there's groups for everything on Facebook let me look up childhood brain tumors let me look up childhood cancer and at this stage we didn't even know what the name of it was we just knew she had a brain tumor in her ponds we didn't know it was DIPG so I wrote into this group and I asked um when did you do that I done that literally when we got home from the hospital I was like I need to figure out what's going on because the doctors are just telling me they don't know much about this and there has to be more information somewhere else so I wrote in to one of these groups and I said my daughter's six she's just been diagnosed with um, a brain tumor in the ponds um, it's a p-o-n-d-s like a pond yeah like okay. the p-o-n-s so a pond, the pons. so I was like I don't we have no idea about what's going on and hundreds of people text me back and said go into this group, the specific groups for that gym where you're, um, you came to the right place, like there's loads of help and then I found a DIPG group and went into it, I wrote in the same message and they were all like, yeah you're in the right place and I got so much information from, these were people all around the world, it was mostly kind of America because the population over there is a lot bigger, mm. there was only a couple of people from like England and Europe and stuff I think I was the only Irish person in that I was like, we're from Ireland and all these people were like, You need to do this, you need to do this, this is what it is And some people were like, Yeah, your daughter's gonna die soon. Like this diagnosis, there's no help. Some people were more kind of like When it,
2: you read the how did you feel?
1: I remember sobbing. I was like they tell like they were being real blunt about it. Some people were going around about it in a nice way, been like, This there's no cure, like there's nothing we can do. And I was like, Oh my god, I was like, What do they mean my daughter's gonna die? Like every every person's individual and every cancer diagnosis is individual so what happens for my child's not going to happen for another and that's what i learned as well like every child is individual and my story isn't the same as that other child's story so for some i'd never say that to someone like i'm still in that group now i help a lot of people in it but i would never say your child's going to die soon because i don't know that they could live for a couple of years they could live for a long time i don't know so when people are saying that, I was like, I can't, I'm can't. i not even tuning into that. I was like, I'm just going to take it on the shoulder. But in the back of my mind, it was kind of playing. Like, they're kind of right, mm. do you know what I mean? So, but, yeah, I learned a lot of information from them groups. If I hadn't found them, we would have been in the dark completely and I would have not known anything. So when we got back to the hospital then, um, I was just waiting for them to say there was a brain blitz. She had a seizure. Something, something happened. And the other symptoms... Uh, the other things that could happen is she could have like full left side and um, powerless so she wouldn't be able to move like one side of her body or she might not be able to speak again it might have ruined all the nerves in her brain so I was just waiting for one of them things to happen and I remember I ran into the room and she just looked so peaceful and she just opened her eyes and I was like we're back are you okay and she just so her him up and was like I'm fine and went back to sleep. So that was, I was like she's fine. That's all I needed to know and the doctor came in and confirmed he said everything went perfect. He said everything went so well we actually finished it quicker than we thought and she should be fine. And I was like right okay. So we had to wait obviously then for the results of the biopsy to tell us whether it was benign or cancerous and then we would find out what the treatment plan was after that. So I remember I really said to me, uh, "Mummy, I had a dream that we went home on Sunday." and we went to nanny's and we got sunday dinner and like she loved going me mam's on sunday <laughs> mam always has a sunday dinner ready and i was just thinking no we're gonna be here for probably weeks and i was like that was a lovely dream i was like but i don't know if we're gonna get out on sunday i think we're gonna be here for another while and in comes the doctor and he was like it was sunday and he said Do you want to go home and I, I was like my face dropped i was like what he said she looks fine there's no point in her sitting around the hospital waiting for these results go home and get some rest and get back to a bit of normality and stuff. So I was just over the moon. Did that fuck with your head? Yeah, because it gave me a bit of hope that oh like something's going right. Like we're getting sent home a little bit early and he's saying she looks fine and I was like something's like happening they said biopsy went great. Like maybe she's gonna be fine. So when we went home then I I was so worried about their results and I was like I just don't have a good feeling. I don't have a good feeling that they're going to be good news. I don't think it's going to be that plan A that we talked about where it was benign. I just... And everyone was like, be positive. Don't think about it. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. But in the mm-hmm. back of my mind, I was like, I know. Like, I know what the results are going to be.
2: Did she get her Sunday dinner?
1: She got her Sunday dinner. <laughs> Nanny had it made for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ma'am, we're coming home. And she was like, the dinner is on. Mm-hmm. So I was like, grand. So she was delighted about getting home. She just wanted her own bed. She wanted a bit of normality. So we were just delighted. And... They rang me early about the results and I knew that wasn't a good a good sign. They rang and said, can you come in a bit earlier than we were supposed to schedule? And I said, okay. So it was a couple of days beforehand and we went in and they said, Aaliyah can stay with the play therapist, Julie. Uh, like, She's loads of stuff set up for her to play with while we're giving you the results. We don't want her in the room. And I said, okay, that's no problem. So Aaliyah was like, she's like, I'm going down to play. We're going to make slime and stuff. So she was oblivious to that and that was going on. Um, and I just remember they left us waiting, like, over two hours, me and Carl was just sitting there, and I was, like, pacing up and down, I was, like, I'm gonna get sick, I was, like, I feel so not, I couldn't eat, obviously, but I was, like, I feel like I'm gonna get sick, I'm gonna have a panic attack, I don't know what's going on, so they left us waiting ages, and finally they came, and we were in this, like, boardroom, and I just remember I was, like, shaking, and Carol was like, what's your gut feeling, saying, I was, like, it's not good, I know it's not, Carl." and, we were just sitting there and I looked at him and he was like he's a real kind of jolly man he's like hello and I'm like hey mm. and he was like okay so um it's not good news uh, it's not what we wanted and it's not what we hoped for and um, we found out that Aaliyah has a high grade for malignant brain tumor and we're going to bring it into the next room for a treatment plan and I was like what So I couldn't even, I couldn't even stand. Carol had to help me about a chair. Like my, I had pins and needles everywhere. I was like, what's going on? So in my mind, I was like, oh, chemo and radiation. I was like, people get chemo and radiation all the time and tumours disappear. They live a long life. So in my mind, I was like, we can, I can deal with that. We'll get her through that. That'll be fine. So we go into a different room and there's two doctors there and it was the radiologist and the oncologist. So one was for cancer and one was for radiation and they just had like such a look on their face that like n- nothing's right. So I'm sitting there and they're chatting, they're telling me about the process and stuff. So I'm kind of like, no, wait, hold on, nothing's making sense. And I was like, can we just pause for a second? And she was like, yeah. And I said, me and the neurosurgeon spoke about plan A and a plan B. And plan A was that it was going to be benign and that she could live with it. So I'm thinking maybe, that's, maybe the cancer or maybe the chemotherapy and the radiation is in the plan A. And I was like, but we spoke about a plan B and we didn't want to speak about it. Is this plan B? And she was like, yes, this is plan B. This brain tumour cannot be removed. It, radiation's only to keep it at bay. And it's going to just keep growing back. And the chemotherapy, there's less than a 10% chance that it's going to work. And that's when I freaked out. That's when, like, everything, the ball dropped. And that's when I knew what was going on. I just remember screaming and crying. Like, I just was like, uh, poorly, like, she has this brain tumour. She's six years of age how how is this happening to her? I was like, I wish it was just me. I wish why why not me? I'm mm. I was twenty five. I was like, why I lived like a little bit of my life. I wish it was me and said, I wish she could just go ahead and live her life healthy and I I'd take it like one hundred percent I'd take it away from her if I could. And they just they just spoke about treatment plan and it wasn't even I couldn't even remember what they said. It wasn't registered. it was going in one ear and out the other and then we went over to Aaliyah then and we just had to do that again put on a brave face smiles and everything and just take her home and we like our life is about to change now after this day we're going to have to prepare for cancer treatments it's going to get ugly it's going to be horrendous but I don't know how we're going to do it, but we're going to have to like so that was just everything was just go from then it was like everything was just fast paced there was no like minute of pause it was doctors constantly ringing me me, like writing everything down on calendars her medication and stuff like she was on these steroids and anti-sickness she's on three different anti-sickness tablets and she was on this steroid called dexamethasone and if anyone's child is on it it's a horrible steroid it takes down the inflammation in the brain and it takes the pressure off because the tumour there's no room for a tumour in the brain it's pushing on all the nerves so this steroid takes down all that inflammation and eases the symptoms but what they never told me was the symptoms that came with that steroid so when we brought Aaliyah home she would such a big appetite and I was like that's weird because she wasn't eating like literally last week or the week before she was vomiting and now she has such a big appetite and Aaliyah was always kind of like a picky eater she was always real thin and built so she would never eat like much so I was like this is like unusual for her and I was saying to the doctor like she's non-stop eating um, and like it's constant like she was waking up at 5 o'clock in the morning crying saying mommy I'm hungry and I was like you, could, like you couldn't be hungry she was eating like a big huge dinner and been like mommy I'm not full and I was like this is like not a lie so they said oh what come? the side effect is extreme waking and extreme hunger mood swings like many things that came up but I didn't realise how much it belongs the mouth. Aaliyah was unrecognisable on them steroids and they are highly addictive so to get Aaliyah off them you have to wean her off them and every time we tried to wean her down off them she'd get sick and they'd say we need to go back up a dose and we were back up a dose and then it was all starting again the eating everything and we could never wean her off them for a week so Aaliyah went from this tiny little petite little six-year-old to this six-year-old with like these big huge cheeks Wake in And she knew That she was looking different And it was upsetting her She was like Mammy How come I look so different How did I go from this to that And I couldn't even understand it So how could a six year old you know what I mean But they never told me The side effects like I kind of had to learn It all on my own And in them groups They were like This is what happens And when they come off The steroids The weight kind of goes But once they're on the steroids And it's not even like Oh a little bit of weight It's uncomfortable for the child mm. It's like Severe so it was just so much with the medication everything. It was so overwhelming. You're just exhausted. And the worry of your child has cancer on top of everything else. It was just so difficult.
2: Where's friends and family? Uh, take takes up your tea. Yeah, I'm you like, wanna, I need it. I know, we get a I glass of water sugar. now. <laughs>
1: oh.
2: Where's friends and family? Where's Carl? are you at home what's going on
1: yeah so we're at home and everyone's just been so supportive everyone like no no one knows probably get a glass of water sorry (laughs) we don't know like we don't know what to do they don't know what to do how are they meant to make this situation better people don't know what to say but everyone was just trying to do everything they could they were getting gifts for they were bringing us food vouchers they were getting us meals and stuff just trying to get us through the day and they didn't know the extent of what it was. We still didn't know the extent of what it was. I was like, right, she has cancer, but she's going to get through. That's what I had to keep telling myself. If I had to fully let myself know she's going to die in less than a year, I wouldn't have been able to get through today. I had to kind of stay in that denial of, no, we're going to get through, and she's going to be okay, because it was the only kind of thing that got me through, mm-hmm. you know.
2: Take your time. and then like do you go back to hospital and does she stay there or do you stay at home no
1: we got to stay at home so she was doing quite well it was if she was vomiting a lot we had to bring her in or if we knew there was just something like I was so frightened I was like what symptoms do I have to look out for like what are the symptoms of a brain tumour and thankfully she never suffered with headaches that's like a number one symptom with tumours is a headache and she never complained to them it was more the vomiting and it was very bad in the morning time it was very extreme when you first wake up that's when the vomiting is worse that's
2: to me No, i know yeah but to say go home and deal with that
1: mm-hmm.
2: that's insane to I me know. would you rather be in hospital where
1: sometimes yeah because i'd feel safe in the hospital because yeah. they know what they're doing i haven't a clue and i'm, wor- I'm like it's all on us to look at the symptoms and if she's sick enough we have to get her into hospital and stuff so sometimes I'd be like I'd rather just be in the hospital or when we did have to go into Temple Street and come nowhere I'd be like oh relief like they know what to do and they can check her heart rate, her pulse, oxygen levels and they know what's up where whereas I don't I'm not a medical professional I'm not I haven't a clue well we had to learn all this overnight like all the names of the medications so I couldn't even pronounce them couldn't even read them and then overnight you're nearly like a trained doctor and then you kind of just get used to it like I'd be ringing the nurse and I'd know what to say I'd know what to like this she's this symptom she's that symptom she's on this amount of um, prescription medication and then I'd kind of just had to learn it so we'd no choice We just had to deal with it, and we had to learn, like, fairly, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But when, see, like, when I say my story, it doesn't sound crazy to me, but I know you listening to Mm -hmm. me, it's like, how did she do that? But we just had to keep going, that was it. Like, we couldn't do it, we couldn't go around it, we had to just go through it.
2: And then when do you start chemo, and what happens then?
1: So, we started radiation first, because there's no chemotherapy for this brain tumour, um. And I kept asking about the chemotherapy because I was so intrigued, like about it. I I know what chemo is. I've seen it firsthand. So I was worried, thoroughly. And they said, "No, this chemo is different. Let's not talk about it yet because you're not going. We're not going to do that chemo until October." And I said, "Okay." So radiation came first, and we went in, and she was in radiation every single day for fourteen days. So. They said we sedate the children for radiation. They wouldn't be able to stay awake for this. So every single day for 14 days, she would to pick either mommy or daddy to bring her down. And I had to hold her like a baby in my arms and give her a gas mask. And she absolutely hated it. She was petrified. This room was so big and scary. There was this big, huge um, table she had to lie on. There was a big, huge monitor over. And she's like, mummy, please, I don't want to do it. And to hear her so upset was like soul destroying for me who was saying I don't want to do this but I'm like you have to do it we have to get better and she didn't understand at all so every day she had to do the gas mask and she kind of leaned like Right, if I don't breathe it in, I won't get the gas. Oh, my God. So she used, to mar- she used to march in. She, she was so she was such a soft soul, but she had that real sassy side to her. Mm. So she'd march in, and she'd be like, I'm not doing the gas today. And she'd hold her nose, and I'd be like, S- sorry, everybody. No, she will do it, don't worry, and stuff. And they like, and we're on a time scale. There's other kids we used to do. Like, let's get her in. And I'm like, okay, let me just try and talk to her. Do
2: you ever want to say to them, fuck, fuck off and off. give me a fucking oh, second?
1: Ma- oh, many times, I swear. I it just... It's they it's like they don't realize what you're dealing with sometimes so I literally sometimes they'd be like wanting to give her the gas mask and Aaliyah was more comfortable if I gave it to her so every day we used to go in I used to get it and they could change the flavor of it (laughs) so they were like do you want strawberry today do you want watermelon and she'd be like I want strawberry so they were trying to make it fun for her if that was even possible so I had to literally hold her in my arms, sit her on my lap, give her the gas mask every day and watch her eyes just roll back. And then just taking her lifeless body and throwing her up onto this table and bolting her head with this radiation mask to the table. So every single day, that was just... How was that? That was exhausting for us having to watch her and do that every single day for 14 days. It was just... I can't even explain it it was just it's kind of a blur to me now because we were just running on adrenaline getting through it but every day we had to wait for hours for her to wake up from the anesthetic and then they said she can't leave until she eats breakfast so we had to wait around and sometimes she wouldn't want the food she just wanted to go home so we it would take we were there for hours um and then she'd get home and the radiation side effects is like vomiting um fatigue everything that came with that so That was just heartbreaking to see her going through that. I was like, I can't believe her hair. And then she lost all her hair at the very back from the radiation. And that was devastating for her because she was such a girly girl. Like, Mm. she loved her hair. She loved curling it, straightening, just styling (laughs) it. So I had to explain to her that she was going to lose some of her hair. And she was like, why? And I said, it's just the way the treatment goes. I said it in a roundabout way, like a child-friendly way for her. Mm. But she was just so kind of angry about it she'd questioned me like why did I get sick how come God made me sick um how come I was able to do cartwheels and I was in swimming lessons a couple of months ago and now I can't do any of that and like what do you say to your child when she asks you these questions I I don't have the answers I don't know some people get sick like do you know what I mean so that as a mom that was heartbreaking for me having to watch her go through all that and just be so upset about her hair she was so insecure about it and like I tried to instead of hiding that I wanted to kind of let her know that it was okay like I was only short of texting me hairdresser and mm. saying I'll shave the back of my head as well like mm. and she was like no I don't want you to shave your hair mommy I love mm. your hair mm. and I was like oh she's so innocent mm. um so I kind of wanted her to embrace it rather than let's put it in hairpans let's keep your hair down mm. and she did she she did she went to school every single day and no problem to her like she there was days where we couldn't hide it and I would tell her listen just tell the kids you're getting treatment and yeah, you're here fellow what's going to grow back and when it grows back it'll grow real long and stuff so she kind of got used to it and she'd be talking about herself she's like I am in treatment and this and that and we were I remember I was with a play therapist and I said to her how am I going to tell her that she's a brain tumor um and they, they had me these books and they said go home and read this to her so I just grabbed the books and I put them in the car like mm. and when I went home and I looked at them I was like oh my god these are outdated from like the 90s. It was like you have cancer and a little cartoon girl with no hair, and it was like this is what's going to happen. Like the normal standard chemotherapy that we all know and I was like that's not going to happen to her so why they give me these books yeah. to tell her. So I worked with somebody else in Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.
3: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. the radiation department, and
1: she was brilliant. She said to me, sit her down and tell her, don't don't say she's cancer and don't say she has... A, it. Like, it, she's going to hear the word tumour, but she doesn't know what it is. We know what it is. And mm. that's scary for us. Just tell her she has a bump in her brain that's not supposed to be there and it's making her feel sick. And that's why our walk was a bit funny and we have to do this treatment now to try and get the bump away and get it smaller. So I told her and she was just like, okay, mm. that was it. Like, kids Simply. are so mm. resilient. Mm. They're just... You think... They're going to act differently. But she just took the information in. She was like, okay. Mm-hmm. So that was just how I went around it. like, And she just took it. And she was so amazing with, all, with everything, all the treatments and all. She was just, like, everything she had to go through. She didn't want to do radiation. She didn't want to go to hospital. She hated all the appointments. But she did it. And she was just so brave. And she kind of got used to it then, do you know what I mean? And then we had to wait. Um, so she done the radiation in August when
2: yeah, when did she get diagnosed take your time to yeah, take yeah. a drink when did she get diagnosed just give me a little time frame so. oh
1: yeah so she was diagnosed the 17th of July
2: and then she started ke- she started radiation. the radiation
1: literally like three weeks later Okay. so we didn't start the chemotherapy then till October but it wasn't like your traditional chemotherapy that we know where you lose your hair and you get it through like a port mm. uh, this was an oral chemotherapy so she had to take the these huge tablets like I mean I was like how would I even take them do you know what I mean they were huge and she'd take them for five days of the month every four weeks and they were like there's a chance that this isn't even going to do anything like not everyone with DIPG got to get to me say the DIPG
2: it's just yeah given it, give me the name I don't know what it is it
1: yeah uh, so the brain tumour is DIPG um and it's a malignant brain tumour in okay. the brain um, DIPG yeah okay so Not every child or person that's diagnosed with DIPG gets given this chemotherapy. Aaliyah had a certain mutation that came up in the biopsy that said it may work. So I was like, Well, we have nothing to lose. And that's what the doctor said. Listen, I'd rather give it a shot. Mm. And it had no really side effects other than fatigue or sometimes vomiting. So she took it. I don't know how, but she was just like, Okay, let's just do it. And she took it for the five nights every week, every four weeks. Mm. And she did fast, so she couldn't eat for two hours, then take it, and she couldn't eat after that. So the best time we figured out was to give it to her at night time and just let her take it at bed and sleep through. And she would no side effects from it whatsoever. She would a bit of fatigue during that week of taking it, and she'd get a bit of nausea, but no vomiting or anything. So it wasn't like she was even on anything, do you know what mm. I mean? She was just so well, and I remember like the team that we had in crumbling she had this um oncology nurse specialist her name is kira she was amazing um i remember her ringing me um it was around christmas time i think and she was like hey i'm just checking in how is it Leah? like we haven't heard that in front of me like usually parents are ringing me like every yeah. day and stuff and i was like she's doing so well like i don't i don't need to be ringing because mm. nothing's wrong she's doing so so well and there was nothing wrong where there was no like sickness as i said she was off that steroid um She was fine. It was like she went back to herself. She was in school every day. She was... Like, we were doing everything. She was out all the time. We were just trying to cram in everything. And then our seventh birthday came in the January. And we just... We did loads for it. Like, we tried to make it as special as we could. Because I Mm -hmm. knew... I had a feeling like this could be our last. And same with Christmas. But, like, that she was so, so well through our diagnosis. And, like... I know, like, we prayed for a miracle. But the miracle was that she was so, so well. Because if she hadn't have been well, it would have been so difficult. Mm. Like, there was days where she'd be, like, getting sick and stuff, and them days were really hard, and the days where she was fatigued, but when you look back, I'm like, she she was so well. Like, it, you would have never known. Mm. Like, it, we'd be out and stuff, and if, like, if anyone heard she would a brain tumor, anything they'd be like, God, you'd never know that she would a brain tumor. Mm. She looked so fine. She didn't look like your typical child that had childhood yeah. cancer, do you know what I mean? Because she didn't lose all that hair, but yeah she was so well for our ages and then it was actually it was this time last year it was the may when i felt i figured out that our tumor was starting to grow all our symptoms were coming back in it was like been back in july again i it was like it's our eye it's the walk and vomit and everything and the doctor was like we need to stop the chemo it's not working anymore um the tumor started to go back but the two MRIs she had previous, the tumour had shrunk and it was stable and they were like, everything's going well. Because sometimes radiation doesn't work. There's some kids where they've had radiation went through all that and the tumour is still continuing to grow. Whereas Elia's was stopped in its tracks and it did shrink. So it was the May last year when they were like, it's starting to grow again. We need to do radiation all again. And I was like, oh no, how am I going to tell her? She It's going gonna, it's gonna to break her heart if, if we have to go through this again, so... Uh, we had to tell her I said Lee, we need to do treatment again and she was so upset I just remember I've been like no mummy I'm i not going I'm not doing it I don't want to do that again and all and she was just real upset she was like why is this happening to me and stuff and, like she used to ask me questions and be like am I going to be sick forever is the tumour ever going to go and stuff and like as your ma- as a mum uh, like I need to protect her I need to not let her know that anything's wrong and no need to worry like mm. but I was like Lee. I don't know what's going to happen like like that's why we're doing instead of saying no or yes yeah. I was like that's why we're doing the treatment to try and get better it's like sometimes people don't get better for a while and like I was able to reference people in like the family that had cancer and let her know like they were doing treatment for a good while and then they were fine and stuff but she just she hated being sick it wasn't her at all she just like we would more good days than bad thankfully like mm. but the days that were bad, she just hated it and it just broke my heart because there was nothing I could do. Mm. It wasn't like we were fighting against, like, it It wasn't like we were fighting against hoping cancer-free. I knew that was never going to happen, they told me. So I was like, we're just fighting towards trying to keep her stable and keep her symptoms at bay. She's never going to get over this, do you know what I mean? Mm. So that was just, that was just soul-destroying for and looking at your child knowing she's so sick and there's nothing you can do. That was just, that was really hard. Yeah,
2: and then did it turn around? Like, did you have to go through then with the radiation?
1: Yeah, so we had to do the radiation again, and like that, it was for 14 days again, continuously. But she was seven now, so she was that little bit older. They said, I said, Can we please do a sedation because it's just a lot on her. I'll t- I was like, I'll tell her, like, she has to lie down, don't worry, we'll prep her and stuff. And they were real hesitant, but we got through it like we went in every single day and I brought in a speaker for her and I was like we're going to play Little Mix that was like "Our favourite <laughs> song so I was like we're going to play Little Mix we're going to blur it every single day and they said this time it, because she's already had radiation on her brain it's dangerous to have a lot of radiation so this time it wasn't going to be as much so mm. the time was shorter that she was in there so they said every day the, it'll get, the time will get shorter so I was like oh, Leah today was 15 minutes tomorrow was going to be 14 and every day we were trying to we were trying to just be like, "Let we'll go for food after it. Let's go somewhere fun. Just trying to make it mm. better than what it was. But at this stage, she was back on the steroids. She, like, had them side effects of mood swings and she was so fed up at this stage. Like, she did not want to go through with this at all. So every day trying to get her in and no anesthetic and trying to get her on the table was just really hard and like seeing her, they they had this mask for her, the, the protection mask but they painted it for her, all different types mm. of things, they asked her what was her favourite things and they butterflies and rainbows and stuff all over but like they had to like clank her into the table so she can't move at all and then I we had to leave her alone in the room, we had to run out and we watched her on this monitor. They had a like CCT set up and we were able to press a button and chat to her through but i had to watch her every single day on that monitor while she was getting radiation she looked so frightened and scared this tiny little thing in the middle of the room and i was like she doesn't even have a clue what's going on do you know what i mean Mm. so that was just that was devastating and they said there's a chance that this radiation this time won't do anything we're just trying to stop it in its tracks but there's a chance it might not do anything and we've no more options so, She's so brave. Yeah. yeah, she really was. Like, I, she used to just shock the doctors. Like, she used to, like, she was so sassy. Just when <laughs> she entered the hospital, she mm-hmm. because she just hated the hospital so much. Yeah. And she she had this, like, the doctors you knew, all the nurses knew they were like, we know she just wants to get in and out. We know she hates her, like, a child naturally would mm. so they just were like hey Lea. and she was just like hello and she was just like so <laughs> sassy sitting there and i was like "And she was so kind all the time so i would mm. like she's not usually like this yeah, yeah. but everyone like listen if a child was going through that it would like, it'd be the exact same mm. do you know what i mean
2: and then when did things start to get worse
1: so it was when she had the radiation in may our symptoms just got kind of worse from then and it was june um it was June and July when our symptoms just got really bad and I remember it was July and it was really sunny out like that. It was only it was a year later, literally mm. to the day, and she was sleeping a lot and I remember the like they told us what to look out for. Like it's the tumor's progressing. We don't think she's much time left. So look out for these symptoms and one of them was sleeping a lot and I was like she's sleeping a lot more than usual so I rang up Crumlin and they said, bring her straight in because when um there was anything wrong with the children, McCann said they were brought straight in. You didn't have to wait in like AE mm. or anything. So we brought her straight in and I was like, she's a good few more symptoms, like vomiting and the sleeping a lot. And she did mention her head was haunting her, which she never did before. So they said, we might just do a CT scan just to check what's going on. So they did the CT scan and then they said to me, Lauren, we're going to do an MRI. And I was like, oh no. I was like, I don't even want to do an MRI. So went down where, um and she wanted me to go in there. And I remember she was like, I don't want to do this stupid MRI. She was just so... I just wanted her to be a normal child. I just was mm-hmm. like, she should be out playing. She should be out, like, enjoying the sunshine. But here we are in an MRI. And I just sat and cried through the whole MRI. Like, I was, she didn't know, but I was, like, rubbing her little leg. And I just knew. I was like, it, the tumours had to progressing more, and we're just running out of time. And I remember... The team kinda of ran in real quick and they were like, Okay, you need to get back down to the ward and I was like, God, why like why is there a big rush? So I remember one of the doctors that was on call was like, We need to come into the boardroom and I was like, Why are they not just telling me like out straight here, like the tumour was like growing again? So they sat down and I just remember looking at everyone's faces and I was like, Oh God, like something is going on here and she was like, I'm not gonna bullshit you, I'm not gonna I'm just gonna tell you out where We're at more tumors and I was like, What? I was like, I knew, I, I knew, like that tumor was probably progressing and it was growing, but I wasn't expecting that. That was a really like shock to me. I remember I was just like, "What?" And she, I said, "Can I see the MRI?" Because I was so used to looking at mm-hmm. them, I it was better for me to see. It. Mm-hmm. So she said, "I said, where in the brain?" And she said, "It's at a, it's at a spread higher up to the thalamus into a different part of the brain." She said, "There's two, but we think there's a lot more." So when I seen the MRI, I could see them. I could see the two that started. Um And I could see the new ones that were starting as well. And she'd only had an MRI six weeks beforehand, and there was nothing on the screen. That's how fast they grow. And I was just like, I just was in disbelief. I said, I need to ask her how long has she got if this is, if the tumors are at the spreading. And she was like, N- not long, maybe three months. And I was just like, T- three months? I was like, what? It's, it's July. So you're telling me, like, I won't have her here for Christmas or anything and I was just in floods of tears I was like why is this happening to her like how is this we're in 2023 how is this still happening how is there no cure how is there nothing like the treatment for DIPG hasn't changed since the 60s like it's been radiation go home make memories and that's it there's nothing has changed there's not enough research or anything and it's just devastating so everything just progressed very fastly after that thankfully she wasn't very sick for long but with DIPG why it's known as the most deadliest cancer Mm. in existence is because when that part of the brain is damaged you lose all functions of the body so you lose your swallowing your talking your ability to eat um, your heart rate is affected everything like your completely locked in your body and your mind is still intact so you can't do anything you're just stuck there like and that absolutely terrifies me like to think that you're just stuck there in the bed and your mind is complete, you know exactly what's going on and that was just to see her progress like that was heartbreaking like it was slowly she was losing um her ability to move her arms then it was her walk and and it was everything else and she was like mommy why am i like this She's like, I hate being like this. I don't like it. I, I just want to be normal again. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do here. Like, I remember she said to me two weeks before she passed, I'd rather be in heaven. Because in heaven, nobody's sick. And I remember I telling the nurse, and she was like, she was sobbing on the phone when I told her. I was like, this is what I have to deal with. I have to watch my daughter slowly die to do this brain tumour like how, how am I ever going to be normal after this again how am I going to how are people going to expect me to function and live when this is what I have to deal with so it was just it was just heartbreaking and sometimes the children with the IPG are in that locked it's called the locked in phase and that can go on for months but thankfully really it wasn't months it was very short so I just remember I was like, I knew, I was like, I I know the time is coming, it's it's going to be soon, and this was, we're in August now, and I rang up the church in our tent, because Aaliyah was supposed to be making her communion next week, and I rang the church, and I said, listen, my daughter is, has a terminal brain tumour, and I need to get her communion, Done. Is there any way we just for family and friends? And he said, Of course, and he put the date for the 31st of August. So I was like, I don't care, we just we just need it for it to happen. Like, she was so excited about our community and going into second class and stuff. Like, she was such a girly girl. And she's like, I'll get me hair done and Ashley's salon, like that. I get my hair done, Ashley loves it. She was like, I'll do your hair and stuff. And she could go pick out the dress, and that was just something that. Like it was such a big thing was Like I just I just really wanted her to get a communion so I had that sorted and then I knew she was just changing a lot and I said we better bring her into the hospital to something not right where it. and we brought her in and her breathing had completely changed. It was very um like laboured kind of and she was just sleeping a lot and we brought her into Cumberland and I just thought like oh like it's I knew it was coming soon but I didn't think it was going to happen this fast so we brought her into Crumlin and they said listen um, we'll figure out what's going on and then they said listen we're going to send you home, we'll get her strong, we'll get her well and we'll send you home with palliative care and I was like oh my god and they said we need to put a feeding tube in so she needs an NG tube through her nose because our ability to swallow and speak is like basically gone and there's a risk of her choking if she can't Swallow, so I was just like, whatever we need to do, and the second he said, we're sending you home palliative care, her breathing just started getting worse, it was like, she, we never had anything to do with the palliative care team, because she was so well, we never were introduced to them, we always were supposed to be introduced to them, but uh, she just wouldn't have liked that, and I know yeah. she wouldn't have, because she just loved being at home, in our own little home, and she wouldn't have wanted like nurses in and stuff, so I kn- I knew then, and uh breathing started going and I said to the nurse they were kinda of like not saying much to me and I said, Like, is is it nearly time? Do I need to get my family in? Like and she just looked at me and said, Yeah, I think it'd be best if you get our nearest and dearest in and I rang my mum and I was like, Mum, you all need to like come in. They were already in the car I didn't know. <laughs> they were like I was like, you need to get in here. So our breathing started going and they were just doing tests x rays and she was so lifeless on the bed. She was getting blood tests everywhere, all in our feet, all in our legs, they were trying to find veins. she was blood tests all over our arms and stuff just to see what was going on and the doctor said to me, you have two options, we can put her in the ICU and she'd be on a breathing machine and only one person would be allowed where or we could do it the natural route and have her surrounded by loved ones and that was a no-brainer, I was like, no, let's just do it the natural way and let's have all our family and stuff around. So that was tuesday and we're on wednesday now and she just was she was just so tired but she was still able to i was like are you okay and she was just kind of nodding and i was like are you sore anywhere Are you in any pain or anything she's like no and they didn't want to give her morphine until she like really needed it yeah. and stuff and they started giving like morphine they said let's just give it so she can relax we don't want her like anxious or anything and i said just do whatever it needs to be done and everyone came in to see her and it was nighttime now and I was like, oh, we've such a big day, ahead, a long day ahead of us tomorrow. Like it's it's gonna to be towards tomorrow. Just the thought of just getting through the day was just so hard. I couldn't even sleep. We were just kind of up tossing and turning and like taking turns sleeping beside her in the bed and stuff. So it came to the morning time and it was just such I didn't like the night time in there because it was so quiet. There was only like one nurse on and I just liked having loads of doctors and nurses around yeah. just in case. And there was just one nurse on, and like it, she picked up loads during the night. Of Leah. Like, our oxygen and our heart rate was so low. And in the middle of the night, the nurse was like, she's just coming right back around. Like, and she was like still laughing and joking. Like, she was still able to like mess and be our little funny self. And I was like, do you know what? We'll probably get home and we'll, she'll pass at home. And that's just the way we'll get at home. So the morning came, and the nurses were all. Well, turning over their shifts so it was new nurses coming on they were all kind of introducing themselves and I was like we've a long day ahead of us Carly he was like I'm gonna go in for a shower," and I was like yeah do because there's there's going to be new teams of doctors in there's gonna we're gonna have to do this all over again and I lied with her and I was just chatting to her and I was like Leah don't you don't even have to answer me like just you just chill out I'm gonna just talk and I was just telling her how proud I was of her and how amazing she was through a whole diagnosis and I was like you were the best daughter I could have ever had you made me so happy for them seven years they were the best seven years of my life and I just spoke to, I just said everything that I wanted to say to her that I wanted her to hear and we played songs and Crow was like stop playing songs wait for me because she loved music and we all had like special songs where, and he was like wait for me and I was like right okay after this song I'll pause and I'll wait for you so he was literally so quick and he came out and Aaliyah kind of opened her eyes and she followed him around the bed and I said, Daddy's back now, don't worry, the three of us are here, like we're not going anywhere. And I looked at her and her whole face changed and I said, I pulled down like our blanket and I said, Carl, get the nurse, I breathe and set the change. So the nurse came in, the team of doctors and my family were sleeping on the, uh, in the family room down the corridor. And I just looked at the nurse and she just looked at me and I was like, Aaliyah, can you hear me? Because she was still able to squeeze my hand and so she was listening to me. And I said, Aaliyah, if you can hear me, squeeze my hand. And she didn't. And the nurse came around and she just she was the palliative care nurse. She just grabbed me by the shoulders and whispered in my ear and said, Lauren, it's time. Just beware. So it was just, I knew then, I just have to, there's nothing else I can do. I'm out of doing everything I possibly could for her. I need to just beware while she's going to heaven. So the nurse ran down and got my family and they came in the room and I just, I lied with her in the bed and Carl was like behind me and he had his hand on her head and I was holding her hand and I had my hand on her head and I was just rubbing her head and I was like, it's okay, just just go now, It's you're fine, like you did everything you could, Leah, just just rest now. And I, it was like I went into a trance, it was like it was just the three of us in the room, there was nobody else around and I said to her, I don't know how, Carl said it must have been about 500 times. I just said with every breath, I love you. I love you. I love you until our heart stopped. And I don't know how long that went on for, but Carl said, I think she's gone now. The doctor needed to confirm. And I just, I was like, I had such a pain in my chest. I said, Carl, I think I'm having a heart attack. I had all these pins, and needles, shooting pains down my arm. And I was like, She's she's gone and there's nothing I can do about it. Like I'm just I'm just lying here and there's nothing I can do. So uh, she just she went so peacefully. It was like as if she just went to sleep. There was no like they said there could be a struggle. She could be like fighting for her life. She just closed her eyes and went to sleep. It was so peaceful and. I was like, I was just such, it was just so weird. I was like, what, like, what do we do now? Like, what? I didn't know what, what to do. I was so confused. I was like, she's still here. Like, what do I do? And the nurse was just like, we're not doing anything yet. You just be where I'm and stay where I'm. And I was like, right, well, okay. And I just, it's kind of a blow to me after that. But I just was hysterical. Like, everything you imagine, like, that to be like it was and more it was absolutely horrific I just couldn't believe it happened so fast and the way it did because even the doctor came in and he said I, Lauren I really wasn't expecting that to go that fast he said I thought we were going to get home a home palliative care and it was going to be another couple of weeks maybe and I was like I just I felt instant happiness for her that she wasn't suffering anymore I was like, our soul is free, like, she is in heaven now, and I just was like, she's not suffering, and the pain is over now, like, she, it would have been selfish for me to want her still here, do you know what I mean, like, it, it wasn't fair, I just wanted her here, because she was my daughter, and I loved her so much, Well, it wasn't fair on her, it was just her time to go, and I'm just glad she didn't suffer, that was the main thing for me, because if we had watched her, like, the way she was in hospitals for weeks and months on end, it. I don't know how I would have got you. Do you know what I mean?
2: What was the best memories you had of her when she was sick?
1: Oh, just, she was so funny. Like, she was such a character. Like, she just made everyone laugh. She always loved making everyone laugh, and she'd be real silly. And, like, she'd always do, like, pranks on everybody. And she was just, there was something about Alay. She was just such a light. Do you know what I mean? She radiated happiness. She was so special and so different to any other child I've ever met in my life. She was so kind. She knew. She was a real empath. She felt everything so deeply. Like, I remember one time the teacher said to me in school, the kids were watching a Disney movie. You know, the Disney movies are always real yeah. upsetting. And she said, Aaliyah and like one of her girls was like so upset. We had to take them out of class and bring <laughs> them down to a playroom. She was like, she feels everything so deeply. And she's always been like that. But that's what made her so kind. She knew, like, to be kind to everyone. She loved to make you feel important. And it was just, like, our little love language. Like, she'd always just go out of her way to make you feel so loved. Do you know what I mean? Like, birthdays, everything. And we both just had such a unique bond. Where, Like, if you ask any of my friends, anyone who knew me like, we were so close as a mother and daughter. Like, she was... It was like we were... You know, like sisters, like that was like what we were because me and Leah, like we grew up together. I had her when I was so young, and I was still like I wasn't. I was only eight, like eighteen. Do you know what I mean? I was still finding my way, and I grew up with her, and I got to watch her become this beautiful child, and she got to watch me grow as well. So, just you know, in our house, there was no cancer. Like when you stepped through our doors, there was no such thing as cancer, and we made every day just so happy. It was just... Every day was filled with so much laughter and we didn't let her know at all that she was sick. Like, I just had to be as positive as I could and I was like, she's doing so well right now in this minute, so why would I worry about the future when yeah. she's fine right now? Like, like I I don't know how I came across your Instagram. Do you know Yeah. That? I don't
2: know how I came across your Instagram, actually. But it's very like you. Yeah. Very, very yeah. like
1: you. Yeah. We both had the same like, personality, same, we were two goofballs, (laughs) like, two, like, Mm -hmm. Kelly would say, God, if anybody's seen what we're, like, behind closed doors, like, it was just, always just laughs and happiness, Mm -hmm. it was never, she was just always such a good child, like, you'd never have to tell her how to be, I'd, like, never have to give out to her or anything, she just was always so good, and I just, I just loved her so much, she She was just amazing.
2: Yeah, I can, just, I can, I know, it's, Fucking horrific, but it, like, it, and I look at, uh, and when I see you putting the memories up of her, yeah, and you, you seem to have a lovely friend group as well yeah. who all yeah. loved her yeah. as well, and her smile, like her yeah. smile was so amazing.
1: That's like everyone would say, like Aaliyah was the child who always just smiled, like yeah. no matter what was going on, she had a smile on her face. It, all my pictures, me whole twenty five thousand camera <laughs> all over there. Mm-hmm. Every single picture is just her smiling. She was always so happy, and that's just the way she always was. And she continued to be like that through her diagnosis. I don't know how, but she just she was always so smiley and like that. Everyone who knew her just absolutely loved her, and they were always in awe of her. Like doctors that would meet her and nurses too, would always be like, "She's just like uh, she's a brilliant child. Like she's amazing. Like mm. she's just yeah."
2: What day did she die?
1: She died on the eighteenth of August. 2022 so that was just it was literally one so she battled cancer for one year one month and one day and that number 111 has always been in our life like everywhere but it's just such significance now it pops up everywhere I'm not joking like you could be somewhere random and something be 111 and I just know it's her like we were so big on signs and stuff and one of the things i asked her when i knew she was going to pass soon was when i was chatting to her she we loved going to see the sunsets and the sunrises so we'd like set like a five o'clock alarm in the summer jump up go down to allium beach to see the sunrise or we'd go up to hold see the sunset and we loved doing that she loved it she'd be like can we go see a sunset and i'd be like yeah it's cloudy today though we'll figure <laughs> out a different day she loved rainbows and she loved butterflies and i said to her Ellie as signs, send them three things to me. And when she passed, um, it was just me and her in the room after the nurses had, they'd set everything up nicely, and it was just me and her. And I said, "Let send me a sign and let me know you're okay." And there was a knock at the door, and I said, "Yeah, come in." And it was a nurse, and she said, "I just wanted to give you this." And I was like, "Okay." And it was a little bag with a crystal butterfly in it. And I just, I actually gasped. I was like, I knew instantly. I knew that was her, just letting me know, "Mummy, I'm okay." And she gave one to everyone in the family, and she gave us one to put in the coffinware, and for all of us to keep. So we, she had one, and we all had one. And I just, I knew that was her. And she sends us so many amazing signs. Like people would be like, "Ah, that's a coincidence," and I'm like, it's "No, jack. it's it's her. Yeah. yeah, it's. <laughs> she just, there's, some of them have no explanation, and you're like, "How did that even happen?" Like stuff would be happening that wouldn't even make sense, and I'm like, "I know that's a lie," because she she's amazing. She can do amazing things. You know what I mean?
2: Tell me what it was like to plan her funeral.
1: Everything from when she passed to the funeral was just autopilot. It was like I had this idea in my head of what I'd be like. I just thought when Leah passed. Did you think about that? Yeah, a lot, yeah. Because I part of me didn't want to believe it, but part of me had to prepare for it because I knew the day was going to come. Um. And I'd always think, how am I going to survive without her? She's my whole life. How does someone go on when their loved one passed, especially their child? Mm-hmm. So I just... The way I envisioned everything like that happening, I would have crumbled. But uh, when I was in it, I just had to get through it. I had to do it for her. I had to make that day special for her 1st and end-off. Um, and thankfully, the funeral directors when we went down were amazing. Like, I, w- I was shaking, going, and I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And they... Like we were laughing and all in there, like we were like she'd want this, she'd want that, and they made us feel so at ease that I was like, right, they have this, we have this, let's we're gonna do it. Um, I had so many people just helping out that I really needed that support. Um, and we just I don't know how we got through, but we did. It was like even though she was at home, with us she was laid out in our coffin it just wasn't her I was like that's just a shell of our body but I know our soul is free like even though she was there like I was consoling people coming to see her like I I barely cried and I know that sounds so weird but unless you went through what I went through I was just in fight or flight mode I was in autopilot I was like I have to get through the day I just have to and if I stopped and thought about it I knew I would have lost my mind so I had to just keep kind of going but we had, like, the most amazing send-off ever. It was just so beautiful. And at the end of the day, um, when we were... When my friends were outside, everyone... Like, some people were outside having a smoke, and they were banging on the window, and they like, "Loving, you need to get outside. And I was like, oh, I don't want to go outside. What's going on? It was the end of the day. I was just so exhausted. I just wanted to go home. And we went outside, and we looked, and there was, like, a car stopped. There was, like, people on the street taking pictures, and everyone's like, kind of stuff. And I was like, what's going on? I looked up in the sky, and there was this a luminous rainbow just like we could see you know when rainbow's started yeah. we could just see it connecting completely and everyone's like oh my god look at the rainbow like what's going on like people taking pictures everyone's in awe of this and it wasn't like a typical rainbow where it's like red orange green blue yeah. it was like vibrant pink everyone we we're all taking pictures and videos of so many pictures of it and i was like that's all letting me know she's fine like the day is done now she can rest like that's i just needed to see that and it was right over where we were it was just amazing but yeah, it was just, it's kind of all a blur to me, to be honest. That time, I don't know how we got through it. Like, I think back and say, how did we do that? Mm. I just, I don't know. I think it was just a supportive family and friends and everyone and just, we just had to power through. And how do you
2: and Carl, yeah. like, it's not because you don't move on, mm. It's but how do you keep do you keep going every day?
1: It's hard because every day is a struggle. Like you'd see me one day, and like I could be done up to the nines. Like, and people will think, "Oh, she's like, she's doing well. She's moved on." But it's not. I, I'll, I'll never get over this. I'm gonna have to carry this for the rest of my life, and I'm still in a bit of denial. Like, I'm like, my daughter's never coming back. There's part of me that still passes by your bedroom door. I open it, and for a split second, I think what if this was all just a nightmare and she might be in her bed and I'll just open the door and I look at all her stuff everything's just exactly as it was and I'm like she's not there it's it's very difficult and the first few months is just you in survival mode like going on walks you're just you think I thought like we'd be crumbled just not been able to get out of bed but you have to get the day doesn't stop like the time doesn't stop for anybody everyone goes back to work everyone gets on with things and you're just like what am I going to do to survive today like you're constantly on walks you're just doing anything to try and fill the day but when I hit the six-month mark it was when she was supposed to be torn in eight, and that really like that was really really hard for me that's when it sunk in that she's not here anymore and she's not coming back She's at a missing eight birthday. She's missing, it's supposed to be our communion next week. She's missing everything that's supposed to be coming. And my anxiety got really, really bad. Like, I couldn't even leave the house. It was really bad. And then I went to the GP and I said, My anxiety is really bad. I don't know what to do. And he prescribed me anti anxiety tablets. I'd never taken anything like that before. And I was real hesitant. I was like, What will I feel like on this? Mm -hmm. And he said, You'll feel fine. You won't feel any different. And I had a severe allergic reaction to them. I was the one in 100,000 person you know when you see the it's like one in 1,000 I was the one in 100,000 person and I had a severe reaction I ended up in A&E and that set me back I was there for a couple of days I was really bad they said like they had me on heart monitors everything like there was a chance I could have a heart attack they said you can never ever take these again in your life when you're telling the doctor we know when they ask if you have any allergies I'm allergic to penicillin and now I have to say these tablets so I thought this, these are going to help me get through this bridge of anxiety. And then I was like, what am I supposed to do if I can't take them? So I was really stuck for a while. I couldn't even leave the house. Even going for a walk, I was in panic mode. I don't know what was wrong. Um, but I went to therapy, and thankfully, um, the man who I went to, he does cognitive therapy, and it changed my life. Like I thought I was going to be stuck like that forever, and those days were... Like, I was so exhausted from just dealing with my mind and the overthinking and everything. I was like, how am I going to get through this? Like, the days were so dark, there was no light. Like, I was like, I've nothing to look forward to. My daughter's not here. Like, what's the point, you know what I mean? And then when I went to him, it just flipped everything. I was like, it's, I can get through this and it's not my time to go yet. Everyone has a journey in life and Elia's unfortunately, was short. It's not my time to go yet. I have more to do. I've, I have to honour her it's not fair that her whole life was taken away from her so young and I'm still here I need to appreciate life as hard as it is I need to be grateful for everything like when I have a cup of tea I'm like I'm so grateful that I'm I'm here I'm alive I'm able to drink this I'm I should be appreciative of everything so that's kind of my outlook now I'm
2: that's hard yeah that's hard to do that it is to do that
1: because like I'm only 26 I've been through so much it's a constant battle every single day. Like and to think, like I should be grateful for everything, but we don't. always not here. It's it's very hard. Like, do you know what I mean? It's hard.
2: Don't be so hard for yeah. yourself with that. and I just had to Like, you don't know how, how she was so brave. Hell, look at know. look at yourself. <laughs> look at yourself. That's how she was so brave. Because you were our ma. Do you know what I mean? I think sometimes why I didn't want to ask it was because I knew yeah. that yeah. we, you know, and I, I don't ever like to upset. Yeah, do you know what I mean?
1: And do you know what? It's not like some people think I won't mention her because I don't want to upset her, but you'll never upset me by mentioning me. Daughter, yeah. like she's the happiest part of my life. You mentioning her just lets me know that you, you remember, her. you, you're intrigued by her story. You want to hear about her, and I'll always be happy to talk about her. She's the happiest part of my life. She. I wouldn't be who I am today like she made me a mum and that was the best thing she could have did I my favourite part of me is when I was a mum when I was Leah's mum, that was my happiest time and I know I'll always be her mum but it's just hard because I loved being her mam I loved being a mum and I don't have that anymore and I know the one thing everyone says to me that gets me is he's say youngest can going to have more kids oh, and I'm like if they only knew when they say that to me what goes through my head like when I hear that what goes through my head is what if we have another child and that happens again what if what if we have another child and that child gets cancer or that child gets sick there's so much that comes with it it's not as easy as have another one it, a child will never replace a Leah and it might not ever fix that that gap like what happened to her was traumatic do you know what I mean It was it was horrendous And when I went to that, when I go to that man for therapy, he said to me, and I didn't even realise, he said, do you know what you have right now? And I said, what? And he said, you have extreme PTSD. And it it was like everything just clicked in my head. I didn't even know that was a thing that I could have. And I had so many triggers when I went out like to the supermarket or something, but I didn't know... What them triggers were. And yeah. they'd send me into... I'd, it was, I was was having multiple panic attacks a day. I couldn't go to the shops because everything reminded me of it. Like, we went to B&Q one of the days. We were getting grass seeds for the grave. And there was a man beside us on a forklift. Like, you'd, I ne- you'd never think this would happen to you. Like, especially walking into B&Q. Him on the forklift, the noise of a beeping brought me back to the hospital machines. Of the hospital machine, monitor, beeping, beeping. And everything just around me... Didn't feel real. It was like I was like I was having such anxiety and this panic attack that everything around me felt warped. And I was like, I have to get out of here. And it wasn't until he explained that to me. He's like, yeah. you have all these triggers. I didn't even know if they were a thing.
2: Imagine like what you said, like PTSD, P- PTSD.
3: Yeah.
2: What you went through, like even yeah. looking oh, at God. your childhood, as I said no. on a CCTV, mm. being chained, yeah. as such like yeah. that is the biggest trauma that any person parent can face
1: I know and but it's just because I think I had to, I had no choice I had to be in it I didn't
3: yeah.
1: it just becomes so normal that you don't realise how big it is and like it wasn't until I was talking about a least or to like some people like friends and stuff when I was saying it out loud and I was seeing their reaction like seeing them upset I was like oh I'm not crying because I had to live it m- many times yeah. and I relive it in my head every day I've just gotten so used to it yeah. that when other people hear it, it's shocking and I'm kind of shocked by their reaction then mm. because I'm like, God, this isn't like a normal thing to happen, even though it was my normality, it's that should have never happened, you know what I mean
2: Never, I'm so glad you're doing yeah. the, the, that, um, I can never say that word, Cogn- yeah. con- cognitive I therapy. can never say it, the cognitive therapy, I'm so glad you're doing oh, that.
1: It's amazing, like he, he did this um, therapy called rapid eye movement therapy And I never heard of it before, but you know when you're, do you ever look at your Fitbit and it's like REM, it's rapid eye movement and that's when your brain processes things. So he done this rapid eye movement therapy on me and I swear to God it changed me. Like he says certain sentences and he said I'm planting bits of seeds in your brain that it's going to process it and it's going to believe it. So he'd say I am safe, Um, Aaliyah is safe in heaven there's no need to worry anymore because I was I didn't realize all my anxiety and the PTSD was me worrying about her her not being by my side anymore and me not being able to know what's going on so he really helped me like if I hadn't went to him I don't know like I'd still be probably locked in my house not leaving afraid to leave. like and that's like it just opened your eyes because on Instagram I could have a story of like me out having a drink or something but you didn't see like the 10 panic attacks I had to get out of the house you didn't see like the crying I did that day and that's why like I think it's so important people try not I know we judge a lot but try your best not you don't know what that person went through you don't know what like I'd be in a coffee shop and I'd be just thinking god these people in the queue don't know what (laughs) they don't know what I've been through they haven't a clue what's going on it's just yeah it's bad
2: and that is the thing that you know um about how life moves on
1: oh god yeah like that one day for the funeral everyone gets like off work and the next day everyone like goes back and time just goes on and everyone around you is like not moving on but everyone's getting on with their life because it stopped for us but it doesn't stop for everyone else and everything just goes back to normality and People just think it goes on. For me, I'm still stuck in that time. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like every day I just live my life in the past. I all I have is these memories and that's all I relive like every day. Do you know what I mean? It's hard to think of moving on and going forward, but it's so hard when everyone else is going forward mm-hmm. and you're like, How can they how are they going away on holiday when my daughter just died? Do you know what I yeah. mean? It's mad.
2: Yeah. But therapy is the only yeah. that's the only thing because like the strength you have in you yeah. you always have to remember that because yeah. you have some strength yeah. but like it is you know it is how's Carl?
1: yeah it's tough see it's it's tough we're both dealing with the same grief but it's different for everybody and that's even for like mums and dads like I know he puts on a bright face just for me do you know what I mean he still feels like he needs to hold us all together and he does try to bottle everything in, but he is great at, like, communicating. We'll sit here and we'll talk about everything. He's just... He, Carl's such a great spot. I don't know what I would have done with him. Like, he held me together on days where I was falling apart, you know what I mean? And it's just so tough for both of us. It's hard because I loved... My view was him and her. Do you know what I mean? Like, I used to love watching them together and them, like, bullying me and all. Like, they'd always gang up on me and, like, do pranks on me and mess but I used to just love it and it's just so hard seeing him so empty do you know what I mean he's trying his best to get you work and stuff and put on that brave face but it's we're just so broken do you know it's just there's no healing it's just so hard and he is he's doing the best that he can for the both of us and we both know it's okay to have like an off day do you know what I mean we both try so much to be strong but I learned then there's no point in trying to be strong and brave of a face. Like, let people know you're upset. Like, if someone asks me how I am now, I don't go, I'm okay. I'm I'm having a fine day. I'm like, oh, I'm shit. Like, life is shit. Yeah. Having an awful day. I'm not having a great week. And I just let them know now because there's no point in sugarcoating it. There's nothing fine about what happened and my grief. Do you know what I mean? And just have to be open and honest kind of way.
2: You have to process it. Exactly, yeah. And as you said, you're broken and... You know, there's no point oh. of me or I'm not an expert or anything like that. But like, there's no point in me saying, But it's just like the therapy will help you along the way. It, Carl yeah. will help you along the yeah. way. You will help him along the way. But there's nothing. Oh. and but you just have to sit. Like you can't sit in that darkness no, either.
1: I know because I've been to that darkness and it's scary. Like yeah. it's like I'm like I understand. People now in other situations when they get to the death place, how horrible it is, and mm-hmm. how people would think there's no way out. Do you know what I mean? Until I found therapy, and I was like, oh my God, I had nothing to lose going here, and I've gained so much. Mm-hmm. I'm just so glad that I was able to go for it because some days I'm so exhausted that you're like, I don't have the energy. Like, your social battery is just so, so small. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, he said to me, you're running on you like i would be like i'm so exhausted all the time like how and he said you're literally using all of your energy just to survive the day and i didn't need when he said that i was like well i never even thought of it like that everything he says i'm like what let me write that down (laughs) what is going on but um everything says just makes so much sense and it just has helped me a lot with my grief because i've never had to deal with anything like this i didn't realize i didn't realize what grief even was like mm. obviously I know like you miss the person but like you were saying you kind of you go back to work and you get on with life no mm. matter how kind it is and I just never knew it was going to be this hard I knew I'd miss it and I knew that it was going to be hard but having to unlearn everything that you you know like mm. unlearn being a man like every day going to the school just my everyday things I don't do them anymore and I had to it's like I lost myself I was like I used to be Liz's mum and I she used to come first for absolutely everything I did, and now I have to learn to put me first. Like it was so weird that I had her dependent on me the whole time, and then I had to put me first. I wasn't used to it, like yeah. do you know what I mean. So yeah, that was just hard.
2: And May the month of May, yeah, is it's brain is it's a child bri- is it brain or childhood brain? No,
1: it's brain tumor awareness month. So for anyone who's affected by brain tumors, because. I didn't know, and like you wouldn't notice unless you were affected by childhood cancer upfront. Like I always just presumed that children are put first for everything, but when it comes to cancer, children are put last. They get less than four percent of government funding for cancer research, and that's all around the globe. Like that's America. That's everywhere, because it's harder to do clinical trials on children, and it's easier to do them on adults. And there's not much money in it, so they just focus everything on adults like the chemotherapies there's only a handful of chemotherapies approved for children and they're all adults they were all designed for adults and they just lower the dose and give them to children and hope for the best and it makes no sense to me and brain tumours are less than 2% funded because it's such a difficult organ of the body to try and cure and everything because the brain deals with everything if you do one wrong move that's it. you're either brain dead or the functions of the body are ruined. so it's so hard like the treatment hasn't changed in like i was saying earlier years and years because it's so difficult to treat around but there's a lot more been done now i think because see what like social media and stuff yeah like back in the day we didn't have the internet we didn't have social media but because the platforms are so big now and people are able to get their voices heard there's a lot more been done now than there was a long time ago so i'm just hoping that Research like uh, there's, Leah is not going to be the last person diagnosed. this like unfortunately, it breaks my heart to even think there's going to be many, many more children in the years coming diagnosed with this and other types of cancers. And it's just going to be the same thing. Radiation mm. make memories go home. Nothing we can do. And that's, I don't know how anyone could, I don't know how any doctor could just sit there time and time again, year after year, and say them lines, say that them words. Like do you know, what I mean, it's just, it's just shocking. So yeah, May is Brain Tumor Awareness Month, and I was so happy you asked me to do this because in this month I'm like I just to honor honorally I need to make a difference somehow. I don't know how (laughs) yet. It's early days, but I need to I need to make a difference in research, especially for children because we're the voices for children. They can't speak up. It has to be us to do it. Do you know what I mean?
2: There's another girl on Instagram, um, Jenny Ford.
1: Yeah, Jenny yeah. and Lovely Mary. Jenny and Mary. Mm. Yeah, I do talk to Jenny, yeah. um, Aaliyah, and Mary about in Oscars Kids Club. That's how right. I came to know loads of the mums. She's gorgeous. Yeah,
2: and I love I love watching her little follow ups and yeah. the, the inner city guys. I had Jen. Yeah, Jennifer Faye, They did the one and four, and she did all yeah. that, and it's just great. And it's great to see her. You know, thriving, thriving yeah. which exactly. is amazing, and that
1: makes me so happy when I see when Jenny puts up pictures, and I'm like, "There's a child that—that's what all children need to get like after treatment and diagnosis. Mm. Like she's always so happy in all her little pictures yeah. as well. I'm yeah. like, that's what a child should be. There should be treatments and stuff, you know.
2: Yeah, Lauren, I mean her just as broke for you it totally is to sleep tonight. i know and you know i i knew and then the news today about that poor homeless guy yeah. as well like and i came home and i started scrubbing the yeah. gaff and pa was like what are you doing and i was team. like i need this environment to be oh, the right environment yeah. to have yeah. this conversation yeah um because i knew it was going to be so tough because yeah. i have been following you and i yeah. do i love your updates Thanks. and don't ever stop there. Yeah. Because I love seeing those memories. Yeah. And I love seeing all of that. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know whether you still believe in God. Don't believe in God. but I oh, know I do. Yeah. Honestly
1: I, do, I think that's the only thing that kind of helped me as well. Is like my strong belief. I know is yeah. in heaven. I know she's happy. I know I'll be reunited wherever again one day. And I do. Like even though this horrible thing did happen to me. I know some people turn away from God. And they're like why did he do this? Why did God make this happen to us? But. That's just the cards we were dealt, and there's yeah. nothing I can do about it. Do you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. And I pray for you. I Thanks pray so, for you for for one day that nah, yeah. I don't like. It's not even because like you don't. It just it, it yeah. just gets. I don't know. It just get easy. I don't know
1: what what most people say to me is grief never goes away, but you just get stronger and you yeah. incorporate it in your life. And that's what I'm kind of learning as well. Like there's, I can't push my grief aside. I need to just sit in it. Yeah. So. I sit in it and I cry my eyes out and then I dust myself off and I'm like, right, I have to get on with the day.
2: Stronger. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Every day. Yeah. You're so brave. As I said to you, I'm exactly where Ilya got it from, you know. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, no, Lauren.
3: Thanks so much. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince.